Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. This is the fifth in our Easter series on 1 Peter, preached at Wanton by Reverend Linda Johnson. The passage is 1 Peter 4, and the topic is Real Hope in Suffering. Psalm 66, verses 7 to 19. He rules forever by power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prisons and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. But you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouths spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear, all of you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 19. Therefore, since Christ suffered in body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result... They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, 
so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will, be the, outcome, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. And uh, happy Mother's Day from me. I hope that at least some of you are going to be spoilt today. That would be really lovely. Now, it might seem a bit of a downer for our topic today on this series on 1 Peter to be suffering. Um, You'd think we could be a bit more upbeat on Mother's Day, wouldn't you? But I did reflect on this and I thought, well, it's interesting that becoming a mother intrinsically involves suffering, so (laughs) fits pretty well, doesn't it? (laughs) In fact, from birth we suffer, do we not? Being human involves suffering. That's a fact we can't deny. Being human, though, also means that we try to avoid suffering because we don't like it. But doesn't our passage today encourage us to embrace it? As we've been looking at 1 Peter, our overall theme is real hope. What is it we need more than anything else when we do suffer? It's hope, isn't it? It's an assurance that there will be a future that is different Hope gives us that, knowing that there will be a time when things will be different. So what is suffering and is there a difference between suffering as a human and suffering as a Christian? I believe there is a huge difference. Much of what we go through and suffer is simply part of what it is to be human. We get sick. We have relationship difficulties. We see others die and we all get to die. The mortality rate of humans is still 100%. But suffering as a Christian is something very different. That's what happens when our specific living for Christ, our faithfulness, our obedience has a direct impact on what happens to us. I don't think we experience very much of that here in Australia, actually. Not as a direct causation. Uh, We're certainly noticing a change in attitudes, but I wouldn't yet call it suffering. However, for millions of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, there is most definitely a direct causal link between them being Christians and the physical suffering they undergo. It seems that Peter, I think, 
is a bit obsessed with suffering and with good cause, I believe. As we've been going through this series, have you noticed that suffering is mentioned in every single chapter? Every single chapter of this little five-chapter book. Uh, Have your Bibles open and let's look. Page 1,220. Let's go to chapter 1. Specifically, in verse 6, they are suffering grief in all kinds of trials. In verse 7, he says that they are being refined by fire to prove that their faith is genuine. In verse 11, that the prophets predicted the suffering of the Messiah. And in chapter 2, specifically verse 19, where he talks about it being commendable to bear up under the pain of unjust suffering. Verse 20, about suffering for doing good being commendable. Verse 21, Christ suffered, leaving you an example. Verse 23, Christ did not retaliate when he suffered. And then Peter quotes Isaiah 53, which is all about the suffering servant. And we know that that chapter refers to Jesus and is fulfilled in Jesus. Chapter 3, from verse 13, you are blessed if you suffer for what is right. Verse 17, it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil if it's God's will. Chapter 4. Our chapter today, verse 1, Christ suffered in his body. Verse 12, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal come on you to test you. Verse 13, rejoice as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Verse 14, if you are insulted because of Christ, you are blessed. Verses 15 and 16, if you suffer for being a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God. Verse 19, those who suffer should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. I'm going to take a breath. There's still one more chapter. Chapter 5, the last chapter, verse 9, stand firm in the faith as you undergo suffering. In verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, God will restore you. Do we get the picture? Do you think Peter is obsessed with suffering? And for good reason. He's concerned that they understand the reality of following Jesus. You will suffer. Now, of course, our subtopic today is suffering because we're in chapter 4 and that's got the most verses on suffering. You probably noticed. And I want to go through chapter 4 today using three points. And I'm using these points based on verse 1 where Peter says, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. Now, what does it mean to be armed? Well, the Greek word means to make ready, to equip, to be prepared or become prepared with proper equipment for a task. So to be armed means to be equipped and to have all that you need to deal with what might come your way. So with these three sections of chapter 4, I want us to look at them under these points. Firstly, equip yourself like Christ. Secondly, equip yourself through community and service. And thirdly, equip yourself with expectation. So let's look at the first section and what it means to be equipped 
like Christ. Well, the passage tells us that it is to have the same attitude as Jesus. Because Jesus suffered, we need to have the same attitude as he did to endure it. So we need to think about what Jesus' attitude to suffering was. There are many places in the Gospels where Jesus talked about his own coming suffering. Just one example is Mark chapter 8, where he teaches his disciples that he will suffer, that he will be killed, and on the third day rise again. And he goes on to say that anyone who wants to be his disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. In other words, I'm going to get something really bad happen, follow me. Same will happen to you. Jesus himself said that he laid down his life of his own accord. Nobody took it from him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the words of Jesus' prayer showed that he entered into that suffering knowing what was going to happen and he declared to his Father, not my will but yours be done. So we can see that Jesus' attitude was one of entering the suffering willingly. And even we could say with determination that it was his path. Acceptance and obedience were all part of his attitude. Do you recall another place in the Bible which says that we are to have the same attitude as Jesus? Philippians chapter 2, which says, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who even though he was God, humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death. In other words, Jesus had the attitude of willingness to enter into suffering. Peter here in chapter 4 is saying that having the same attitude that Jesus did will equip us. It will prepare us for what is to come. And why do we need that attitude, that equipping? Because it helps us deal with sin. It helps us to realise that a life of sin is useless and that we should rather live for God. Peter gives us here another list of sins. He's already given us a list in chapter 2. Do you remember going back to chapter 2? That list was malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Get rid of them. Those things are what we do with our thoughts and our words. They're wrong attitudes. Now in this section, he's giving them another list of sins, most of which are what we do with our bodies. Debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, idolatry. So we not to just reject bad attitudes, we also reject bad behaviour because we live for Christ. And as we live for Christ, the body is to be done with sin. Now does that mean we'll never sin again? doesn't mean it for me, I can tell you. I think my answer is no. It doesn't mean that we will never sin again, but it does mean that we acknowledge the gravity of sin and it should make us recoil. These people across Turkey in these early churches had lived as pagans for all their life and now they live differently because of Jesus. And they're paying for it. Peter is saying that different attitudes, though, will affect their status before God. In other words, it will impact their judgment, he says, compared with those who do not follow Christ. 
Okay, secondly, we are to equip ourselves for suffering through community and service. We're now looking at verses 7 to 11. What are we told here will equip us? Well, acknowledging that the end is near and we are to be alert, have a sober mind and pray. And what we see is that this happens best in community. Verse 8, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, we know those words so well, don't we? That's become a proverbial saying. Love covers a multitude of sins. But reflect on the reality of true community like that. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. When was the last time you complained about somebody else's shortfalls rather than loving them to bits? For me, it was probably yesterday. (laughs) What about you? Verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Wow, revolutionary, isn't it? These verses, 8 and 9, are about other people. The next verses, 10 and 11, are about us. What we are to do as we share in community. We are to use our gifts for the sake of others. We are to be faithful stewards of whatever God has given us and use it for the sake of community. This, my friends, is church. Amazing. Beautiful. This is church. We live in love together and we serve one another in order to serve God. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And why? Because it equips us to give God the glory in everything. In everything. Living in community, loving each other deeply, serving each other out of our gifts keeps us humble. It keeps us seeing who God is and gives us what we need. Community. In order to face the suffering which is inevitable from belonging to God and living for him. We can't do this on our own, can we? We couldn't. They couldn't. We couldn't. But God provides us with us for each other. What a gift. Look around. Go on, look around. Love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. So we are to equip ourselves like Christ. We are to equip ourselves through community and service. And thirdly, we equip ourselves with expectation. Verses 12 to 19 tell us to not be surprised at what comes. We're to expect suffering. Nothing strange about it. Don't look on suffering for Christ as something that's a bit odd and should never happen. Peter describes this inevitable suffering as a fiery ordeal. Doesn't sound mild, does it? 
participating in the sufferings of Jesus couldn't possibly be mild. Think of what he went through for us. Peter is saying here that we should actually be overjoyed. Strike. (laughs) We should actually be overjoyed because suffering for the name of Jesus means that God's glory will be revealed. If we are insulted because of Jesus, we are blessed. But if we suffer because of sin, like murder or theft or other criminal activity, or even stupidly meddling in other people's business, it says there, the meddler, the Greek word actually means being a busybody, then we deserve it and we should be ashamed. But if we suffer as a Christian, we are not to be ashamed, but we are to praise God that we bear his name. Suffering has the purpose of God bringing his chosen people to him where they are faithful and most effective in being used by him for his purposes. So if this judgment, this suffering is to begin with the household of God, as it says in verse 17, and we find it hard and like, feel like chucking in the towel, then as Peter puts it, what will the end be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? There are basically two paradigms at work in society, one that has Jesus Christ at the centre and one that doesn't. And naturally, there'll be conflict between the two of those paradigms. Rejoice, because as Peter says in verse 13, we share in Christ's sufferings as one day when he returns, we will also share in his glory. Our suffering is, in a sense, a pledge to us of the reality of belonging to Jesus. Let's praise God for this, because as Peter puts it there in verse 16, we bear Christ's name. But of course, our situation here in Australia, our suffering for Christ, is actually nothing at all, is it? Not at all when we think of our brothers and sisters in so many other parts of the world. We must not forget that. I want to share with you a video and then I want to read a short story of what is happening in other places. Watch this first. Nigeria, often referred to as the giant of Africa, is Africa's most populous country and the seventh most populous in the world. It is one of the world's largest oil producers and is considered to be an emerging market by the World Bank. But many of its inhabitants live with a permanent threat of violent death. There has been Islamic extremist violence against Christians in northern Nigeria from the 1980s, and especially since the beginning of the 21st century. Since 2015, violence has killed more than 6,000 Christians and forced almost 2 million people to flee their homes. It is worth repeating that number. That is more than 6,000 Christians killed in the last five years. Thousands of others have been maimed, burned or kidnapped by Boko Haram jihadists or Fulani militants. There is a common pattern to the violence. 
militants, armed with guns and machetes, storm into a predominantly Christian village and begin indiscriminately slaughtering men, women, and children. For example, on the 22nd of July 2020, militants with knives and machetes broke into homes of a mainly Christian village, Kitchener, in the southern Kaduna state, murdering 17-year-old Kephas Monday, 14-year-old Lydia Monday, 9-year-old Jumami, 14-year-old Giwa Thomas, and 27-year-old Living Johanna. A Christian leader said that the attacks are now so frequent that they had stopped reporting them. They said, we seem always to be reporting deaths and attacks, and people are weary of our reports. The carnage has gone largely unchallenged by the Nigerian government. Security forces have failed to stop the violence, and the international media are silent. A church leader lamented, It is as if the lives of Christians no longer matter in the areas under attack. The faith of persecuted Nigerian Christians is strong, but we must come to their aid. It's hard to be confronted with that, isn't it? But I can't apologise for doing it. It's real. It's happening. And we mustn't forget. Here's a short story from another country in Asia, from Myanmar. Five people were killed as the Myanmar military, the Tatmadaw, bombed a church at Lewa village in Christian-majority Karen state. Among the dead were two church leaders along with a young boy thought to be three years old and his mother. In a separate incident shortly afterwards, Tatmador soldiers set fire to a church building and torched homes in the Christian-majority Chantal area of Saigang region. Ask that the Lord will continue to sustain and provide for his children and that violence against Christians will end. We here in Australia live for Jesus and get a little bit of pushback. We need to be strong in those moments and show that living for Jesus is something that we willingly walk into, knowing, expecting what will happen and loving the community that God has given us, which will sustain us to do it together. I want to finish with our first uh, little portion of our first reading today. I hope you noticed what we read from Psalm 66. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads 
we went through fire and water. But you brought us to a place of abundance. Come and hear, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.